I always loved going to practice for one reason. I knew that if I messed up in practice, it wouldn't affect my hitting percentage, my stats, and I knew that it wouldn't affect our season record. And I remember when I started in college thinking, I am going to the big leagues and practice is gonna be so different than it was in high school. I thought, oh, we're gonna have like electronic equipment. It's gonna measure us in certain ways and how high we jump and how, how fast we move. And I'm sure that we're gonna be doing unique and, and like super progressive drills. Well, my coach had something different in mind. As it turns out, um, the higher up you go, you end up focusing on the basic skills the most. And my coach believed that the most essential skill to volleyball was just passing the ball over and over. He knew that if you could not get this basic skill of the game, you were never going to be able to succeed. In this game of, of faith that we're doing, and we've been talking about for the past three weeks in preseason, it, it really is in the basic skills of our faith that we grow that can set us up for success. It's not in those once a year mountaintop retreat moments, or, or maybe that one time in the past couple of months that you had this super amazing theological discussion. No, it's in the everyday. It's in the basic practices of our faith that we grow and, and live into this life with God that we have. So we've been looking at Paul's letter to the church of the Philippians. In the first week, we saw how he encouraged us to be a team. Specifically here at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, we have been called to, to do this faith thing together. But then the second week, we saw that we need to do it with a certain attitude, an attitude of humility that says, I am going to consider others better than myself. And then last week, what does it look like to actually pick up some weights and do some resistance training in our faith? And today, it's, it's pretty simple. We're finishing very simple. Paul writes these closing words to his beloved church plant. They're the things he wants them to remember most importantly. And he just tells them, practice. Practice faith. So before we read our scripture, let us look to the Lord in prayer. Holy and good God, we feel your presence in the sweet smile of a newborn baby, William, in the singing voices of our youth, in the jerseys worn by our staff that make us laugh. We feel your presence, God, and you are so good. Help us in these next moments to taste and see your goodness as we hear your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now from the fourth chapter, Paul's words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes all of understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul begins this list of of practices, and, and he begins with just telling them twice, rejoice. Again, I say to you, rejoice. Remember Paul's situation, though. He's on house arrest in Rome. He knows what before him is death. He doesn't get free. So why didn't Paul write, rejoice again, I say to you, rejoice when things are going well. Rejoice when everything in your life is turning out the way you expect it. Rejoice, friends, when you feel like it. No, it's rejoice. Again, I say to you, rejoice in all things. What if the first practice here is that we rejoice not based on the circumstances of our lives or how we feel, but we just practice joy. We just do it. We practice joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not our joy. The joy of the Lord. But so much of what is going around us isn't joyful. A family walks into a Walmart All of a sudden, violence breaks out. People are dying around them. A friend of mine's dad was so excited. He was in his 60s. He was finally losing the weight he'd always wanted to lose since he turned 40. Gets the diagnosis of stomach cancer. It doesn't seem right, Paul. It doesn't seem right in this day and age to be rejoicing, especially when there's people in my own family and my own friend group and my community of faith that the last thing they want and feel able to do is rejoice What if rejoicing is not waiting until we feel joyful, just practicing joy? And so Paul tells us, let your gentleness be known to everyone. I remember the first time I met my friends Carol and Jerry back in Roswell, I had been assigned to go with an elder to do at-home communion. And any of you have ever done this, when you go to at-home communion, the people you go to serve communion to are old. And I walk in, no one had warned me. I walk in and there's Carol and she's 50. She's in a wheelchair and she already has the neck brace on and she has the thing to help inflate her lungs because she had ALS. And so I'm sitting there with the elder and with her husband, Jerry, and we're we're kind of talking because she can't communicate at this point except she can blink her eyes. And I'm talking with Jerry and finding out about his family and I thought it was pretty engaging and he he like leaves our conversation and stands up and walks over to Carol and all he does is this he looks at her and he says your shoulder was bothering you wasn't it and she blinked yes let your gentleness be known to everyone now gentleness looks different for us gentleness could be you know what I'm going to be patient in in the security line at the airport It could be that instead of yelling at my kids, I'm going to calm the room. Gentleness could be when you're out on a date with your spouse that you reach across and you grab her hand. Because I know for me, in those moments when I am more patient, when I yell less, when Charlie surprises me with a, a hand nudge, that I end up feeling more joy. The more gentleness that we practice, the more that we practice joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say to you, rejoice. 
And then Paul goes on and says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, present your requests to God. My friend Claudette was driving at 6.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on her way to work in San Diego, and she got a phone call. Is this the wife of Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Vaughn? Your husband was on patrol early this morning, and his Humvee was hit by a rocket-propelled grenade, and he is in critical condition. We are transporting him as we speak from Baghdad to Germany for immediate surgery. We have booked you on a 6 p.m. flight out of San Diego. Ma'am, you have time to get things in order. Do you understand? That's all she got. Yes, sir, she said. And she had a moment. She could not talk to him. She could not call anybody that, that was in his troop with him and find out what's the real deal. He's been critically injured. What does that mean? Will he make it by the time I get there? But she chose to get on the phone, to send an email before she left and ask people to present the request before God. What does worrying do for us? Increases our heart rate. It prevents us from sleeping well. It affects our relationships. It causes us to not be able to focus on what we need to focus because we've consumed with the very thing that we are so worried and anxious about. And what Paul tells us to do in the in absence of worry is just to come before God. Spend time with God. And we can do this in lots of ways. You can do this by yourself. You can set an alarm on your phone at noon every day. And when that alarm goes off, you remember, I'm going to present my requests before God. You can get a prayer journal and start a new practice. But what works really, really well for me and has been modeled by so many people in this room is that you present your requests before God in community. And so when you have something that's weighing on your heart, that's causing you worry, you call your community of faith. You send a text message to somebody. I am worrying about this and I, it is taking my joy. I hope you know that something we want to be known for here at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church is that we are a community that prays for one another. And so if you've walked in here this morning and you are feeling overwhelmed with worry or anxiety about something, every single Sunday, there are pastors and staff that would pray with you. We have a prayer team that meets over here by those windows to pray with you. Because what happens when we end up presenting those requests before God, the worry falls and the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. Rejoice. Again, I say to you, rejoice. You and I both know that the things that we think about and the things that we look at and the things that we watch affect so much of what's going on in our heart. And so Paul closes with this. Practice joy by focusing on the right things. And he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I remember when the game Tetris came out in the late 80s, and I would play it so much that as I would fall asleep, those bricks would just be falling. 
with my eyes closed and just wanting to clear those lines. Or you get one of those songs in your head. I won't sing it because I know y'all will get it in your head and you can't get it out of your head. It begins to affect kind of your, the way you're living your life. So several years ago, there was a super popular show on TV. And so because I want to be hip, I said to Charlie, let's watch it. And we watched this show and, and we both kind of went, eh, it's okay, but we didn't really say anything to each other. There, there was super attractive people in the show, you know what I'm saying? And, and there was these themes that were running through it that just made us feel uncomfortable. And one of the main themes was infidelity. But Charlie and I didn't say anything. Because, you know, we're not going to talk about that. And then a couple days later, I don't remember exactly how many days it was. I say, oh, let's watch another one. And, and, and Charlie says, you know, babe, after we watched that show, it's just been making me think about things I don't like. I'm looking at the world a little different, and I'm just uncomfortable when I watch it. And I was like, thank you. Oh, my gosh, I'm so glad. So was I. I mean, you know, we've been married like 15 years. It's not like it was new. And it just took that little bit of courage for him to say, you know, I just don't like what that's doing. And so that, this makes me think when Paul says to us, you know, think about what's true and honorable and just. I think, what have I been watching and listening to lately? Because if you're anything like me, you, you turn on NPR or you turn on the news and 10 minutes later your blood pressure is higher. Or, or you're, you're disheartened. You're upset by what you saw and what you heard. It's just another story. Or if you get caught up in the, in the cycle of Snapchat and Instagram, and after 10 minutes, you realize, oh my gosh, I actually feel worse about myself. I thought I had a good vacation until I saw his. <laughs> and so you're putting, we're putting these things before us. And Paul, he's just so simple about it. Whatever we take in, will determine what we spend our time thinking about. And so friends, what each of us need to do is we need to surround ourselves with, we need to make some tough choices, maybe for our children as well, modeling that. And we need to stop listening to, stop searching for, so that we can spend our time thinking about what is true, what is worthy of praise, what is honorable, what is commendable. Because when we choose to focus on those things, guess what ends up happening? Joy. Rejoice. Again, I say to you, rejoice. You see, what we practice day in and day out of our faith, it matters. It's not just the once a week, twice a week when we feel like it or at those high holy days. May our gentleness be known to all. May we not worry, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, may we present our requests to God And then may we think on the right things, what is true, honorable, commendable, worthy of praise. Our world needs us to be joyful. Our world is desperate for the believers in Christ to show up and practice joy. Day in, day out, wherever you find yourself, whatever space you find yourself, home, school, work, practice joy. May it be so in my life and in yours. I'm gonna ask the band to come forward. And I want y'all to take the next few moments before we sing, just close your eyes and just consider where is it that I can practice joy this very day? Amen.